today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. There is absolutely nothing, nothing that a man can do in a secular sense, no worldly accomplishment, no award, no achievement that we can grasp that can give us full or lasting satisfaction to our soul. We have all the accolades of man, but it's going to leave a vast emptiness. Uh, Secondly, the things of this world, all, the, all of our possessions, uh, our, our, our riches, our, our status, is not where lasting joy comes from. There are many things in life that we derive pleasure from. Maybe it's a car, a house, or a new phone. Maybe it's a new relationship, a job, or your status. Whatever it may be, it will not give you complete and lasting satisfaction in life. On your deathbed, your possessions and your status will no longer matter. What will matter is your relationship with God. If you've spent a lot of time searching for some sort of possession to fill your emptiness and keep coming up short, maybe it's time to give God a chance. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 20 as he continues his message, Gloom, Despair, and Agony. A good name is better than precious ointment. Stop right there. Good name is better than precious ointment. That's a good word. That's a positive word, man. Your good name, it's good to have a good name. But then he follows it up. And the day of death is better than the day of one's birth. Now, come on, really? (laughs) This, This is the guy who does not have a very good attitude about life. Can we agree on that? He's had all of his heart's desire, all, all, of, his, all of his flesh desires met. And yet his life is absolutely empty and it's meaningless. With the understanding that this is King Solomon, and again, as I shared earlier, with, with the attitude of all these multiples of wives that cause him to be drawn away from the worship of Jehovah and to chase after these foreign gods, it makes perfect sense to see the emptiness that flows through his life. He chased after something, and what he chased after ended up being empty. He sought after something that literally vanished even even as he reached out to grab it. The temporary pleasures of this world left him empty and left him yearning for something more. He needed something, he wanted something, he desired something. But at this point in time, he had no idea what it was because he had left the truth long ago. Okay, I want you to be honest with me tonight. I want to see an honest raise of hands. How many of you have ever eaten cotton candy? (laughs) Okay, cotton candy, yeah. Nearly everybody in here eating cotton candy. It looks so good. 
It tastes really good, especially when you're a kid. But how quickly it melts in your mouth and how absolutely empty of any value it was. That's what I see Solomon. He's chasing after cotton candy. It looks appealing. It even, mm, it tastes appealing, but then it leaves him empty. Oh, there's still a few pearls, though, that are worth considering. Look, still in uh, chapter 7, in verse 7. He says, surely oppression destroys a wise man's reasoning, and, and a bribe debases the heart. The end of a thing is better than its beginning. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Man, this is so true. He, he says, you just need to work through the process. If you, if you think about what he's saying, he's saying, work through the process. Don't, don't get impatient. Wait for, again, the fulfillment of a thing. Look, verse nine. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Absolutely. Verse 10. Do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you don't inquire wisely concerning this. Hey, let's just admit it. Many times we say, man, I I long for the uh, old days. I I long for the past and don't you realize, though, that nearly every one of us have selective memory? We, 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 we remember those good things of the past, but we forget all about the hard things. No, I don't want to go back. I, I want to go forward. I want to see what the Lord has. Uh, I, I want to look for the ending. Uh, he says the ending is better than the beginning. He, he look at down in uh, verse uh, 13. He says, consider the work of God. For who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider. Surely God has appointed the one as well as the other so that man can find out nothing that will come after him. Now, you need to understand, he actually kind of has the attitude of of Job when Job told his wife, shall we bless God when, when, when everything is good and curse God when everything is bad? No, it's the same God that, that brings. And he, he's speaking here about the sovereignty of God. He kind of comes up with a kind of a negative response to it, but he still understands, no, God has appointed one as well as the other. Verse 15, I've seen everything in my days of vanity. There is a just man who perishes in his righteousness. There is a wicked man who prolongs life in his wickedness. For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. Verse 21, also, do not take to heart everything people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. For many times also, remember, your own heart has known that even you have cursed others. Look at this one thing, I see it up in verse 15. I see a just man who, who perishes in his righteousness. I see a wicked man who has a long life in his wickedness. And, you know, the fact is, that's true. We, we see that. We don't always understand the wise. But what we do know, we don't know the wise of now, but we do know the end of all things. That again, the righteous will be rewarded the wicked will face judgment. And he doesn't bring any of that into here. He just says, hey, man, the wicked live as long as they want. The righteous are perishing. There's such an emptiness. One of the things that we see throughout Ecclesiastes is Solomon's understanding that, yeah, God is sovereign. 
God's going to do what God wants to do. That's that type of an idea. And although we understand that, that, that ultimately that is true. God, God is king over and sovereign over all of his universe. And he has a plan and a purpose and he's working that out. Although we understand that, it doesn't seem as though Solomon puts in the mercy and, and, and the grace of God that comes into play in every one of our lives all the time. It just seems like he goes right to the negative. One very interesting passage found in chapter eight, and then it just leads right into uh, chapter nine. It, it actually begins in chapter eight, verse 10 here. I'm gonna read it and hopefully um, not a whole lot of comment because there's a lot there. In chapter eight, beginning in verse 10, we read, then I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of holiness and they were forgotten in the city where they, where they had so done. This also is vanity. Let me stop right there. I told you I'm not gonna comment much, but I have to comment on this. Here, here's one who has come and gone from the place of holiness, but actually they're wicked. Now, as he's speaking of someone, as we even spoke about, I think this last week, someone has an outside form of, of righteousness. They're, they're coming and going from that place of holiness, but in reality, they're, they're wicked and they're, they're buried and then they're forgotten in the city where all of that was done. Verse 11, because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. You understand what he's saying there? God doesn't just whack us every time we get out of line. Sometimes I wish he would do that to you guys, not to me. You know, if he would just whack other people when they get out of line, it would make my life so much easier. But that's not the way he works, is it? His extended long-suffering, his patience, and his mercy. What does the word of God say? It is your kindness that draws us to repentance, O Lord. It's not because he beat us into repentance. No, it's his kindness So the sinner thinks, man, I'm not going to get punished for this. So he keeps on doing evil. Verse 12, though a sinner does evil a hundred times and his days are prolonged, yet I surely know that it will be well with those who fear God, who fear before him. So he's finally got a little bit of the justice and righteousness of God. But it will not be well with the wicked, nor will he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he does not fear before God. There is a vanity which occurs on earth that there, is, that there are just men to whom it happens according to the work of the wicked. Again, there are wicked men to whom it happens according to the work of the righteous. It said that this is also a vanity. So in other words, people doing the right thing and bad things happen to them. People doing bad things and good things happening to them. He says that happened, but that is the reality that we see in this time frame. He goes on, so I commended enjoyment because a man has nothing better under the sun than to eat, drink, and be merry. For this will remain with him in his labor all the days of his life, which God gives him under the sun. So he says, hey, you might as well just eat, drink, and be merry. Do do whatever, because this is all you got. Verse 16, when I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on the earth, even though one sees no sleep day or night, 
And then I saw all the work of God that a man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. For though a man labors to discover it, yet he will not find it. Moreover, though a wise man attempts to know it, he will not be able to find it. In essence, what he's saying is the same thing that the apostle Paul says, that who knows the mind of God? His ways are not our ways, neither his thoughts our thoughts. Again, that whole understanding. I, I see where he's coming from on that part. But he goes on in chapter nine. For I considered all this in my heart so that I could declare it all, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. People know neither love nor hatred by anything they see before them. All things come alike to them. So what he's saying is there's nothing that we see in this realm that again, that we can know the goodness. All things come alike to them. One event happens to the righteous and the wicked to the good, the clean, and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As is the good, so is the sinner. He who takes an oath as he who fears an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that one thing happens to all. Truly the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil. Madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. But for him who is joined to all the living, there is hope, For a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. And they have no more reward, and the memory of them is forgotten. Also, they love, they're hated, they're envy, they have have now perished. Nevermore will they have a share in anything done under the sun. So go and eat your bread with joy. Drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has already accepted your works. Let your garments always be white and let your head lack no oil. Live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life, which he has given you under the sun, all the days of vanity. For that is your portion in life and in the labor which you perform under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going." Okay, there are some truths that are woven in through all of that. But there is such despair and doom and gloom in the, it's packaged in in the midst of the sliminess of a stinking oyster, okay? There's pearls in there, but you've got to almost pull them out. Verse nine of uh, Ecclesiastes nine, one of my favorite verses, live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life. You know, so, hey, we're we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it, so... uh, Hey, uh, chapters 10, 11, and 12, again, we find that they're all filled with a number of these short little proverbs, some very enlightening, some very, very, very depressing. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse one. This is a great one. Dead flies putrefy the perfumer's ointment. And there's, there's actually a whole lot that could be said about that. You know, uh, there's a lot of it, I think, deals with the book of Ecclesiastes. I see a lot of dead flies in what he writes here. There's, there's a lot of good perfume, but it's stuffed with dead flies. Funny how he has that right there. Uh, He says, also, so does a little folly to one respected for wisdom and honor. Somebody who's respected for wisdom and honor, he goes off and does something very stupid. Suddenly, man, that that just really impacts his life. Verse three, even when a fool walks along the way, he, he, he lacks wisdom and he shows everyone that he is a fool. Verse 12, the words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool shall swallow him up. 
I've always liked the proverb. It's not in here, but it goes along with that. It says, better to be quiet and be thought a fool than to open up your mouth and remove all doubt. So uh, (laughs) words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool shall swallow him up. Verse 18, jump down to 18. Because of laziness, the building decays. And through idleness of hands, the house leaks. So in other words, he says, we need to be busy about the business that we're supposed to be doing. Jump into Ecclesiastes chapter 11, Ecclesiastes 11. Down in verse 7. Truly the light is sweet and it's pleasant for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man lives many years and rejoices in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. All that's coming is vanity. Wow. You live, a, you live a long life, hey, don't worry about what looks good, man. You're heading to darkness, you know, it's going to get worse. And, and he's like focusing on that kind of a thing. But then in verse 9, he says, rejoice, O young man, in your youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But know that for all of these, God will bring you into judgment. Uh, and so again, he, he's saying one positive thing and follows it up with a negative. Verse 10, um, therefore remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh. For childhood and and youth are vanity. That's the words of an old man. You understand that, don't you? Yeah. It's an old man that says, oh man, these guys don't have. And in reality, that old man probably craves to have some of that youth back to him. Chapter 12, verse 1. Remember now your creator. In the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Again, what's the attitude of the heart? Uh, Man, I've I've now reached, you know, like for me, I've now reached 65, it's all over. You know, it's just going to be doom and gloom and darkness from here. You know, I'm going to be down at the doctor's office every day of the week from here on in. My life is over. I reached 65, it's done. That, that's kind of what I see him saying here. Man, rejoice back when you were younger because, man, it's going to come a time. In verse 8, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. I don't know if I'd want to be taught by him. <laughs> I, re- I really don't um, because, again, yeah, great wisdom, but in the midst of that wisdom is such despair and such doom and gloom. Oh, yes, he pondered, he sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words, and what was written was upright words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. And further, my son, be admonished by these. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study is wearsome to the flesh. Amen, some said. <laughs> Especially if you're in school. That's a, well. So let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. It comes down to this. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Okay, there's a lot of truth in 13 and 14. I understand that. But you know, there is a vast, vast gap in what he's saying. He says absolutely nothing 
about knowing and glorifying and honoring God. And having that kind of a relationship that, that David, his father, had. Who, man, was so excited about God, he, he literally embarrassed himself and others as he danced before God just in celebration. Had no idea of the love that his father David had as David writes out psalm after psalm after psalm just declaring the glory and the righteousness and the beauty and the splendor and and his love for God. Solomon doesn't have any of that. Here's the end of the matter. Just fear God, keep his commandments, that's it. That's all you can do. Has nothing to say about enjoying God, loving his presence, honoring him in your life. Let me close with this. Three, three good understandings that we can come away with, with from this study with Ecclesiastes. Number one, there is absolutely nothing, nothing that a man can do in a secular sense. No worldly accomplishment, no award, no achievement that we can grasp that can give us full or lasting satisfaction to our soul. We have all the accolades of man, but it's going to leave a vast emptiness. Uh, secondly, the things of this world, all, the, all of our possessions, uh, our, our, our riches, our, our status, is not where lasting joy comes from. As a matter of fact, more often than not, these things, these possessions that we acquire, they actually can hinder our peace and our joy, and our fulfillment, because we're looking at things rather than God himself. And then thirdly, by and large, man has no idea about the things that will give him true and lasting peace. By and large, man is either ignorant or they choose to ignore the reality that, yes, there is coming a final judgment. Every one of us will stand before God in that final day. What is our relationship to him now? Not, not, not to fear God and just kind of get through life, but God desires to have fellowship, relationship with his creation. That's why he sent Christ to die on, on our place, on our behalf. And you see, when man ignores that and he chases after the wind and chases after cotton candy, chases after the pleasures of this world, rather than surrendering himself and accepting the truth of God's love for him, where he's at, God wants him where he's at, and God will change a man from the inside out. We don't need to bathe or to take a shower before we bathe. We don't need to take a shower before we bathe. We come before God just as I am, without one plea. That's how we come to Christ. And his arms are wide open for us. It doesn't take the money of a Solomon. It doesn't take the wisdom of a Solomon. It takes a heart like his dad, David, that broken, that contrite heart. It says, Lord, I've sinned and I need a savior. That's what God calls for us in his love. He calls for us that way. I'm so glad that we serve a gracious, loving God.
As our time with you today winds down, we'd like to share where you can listen to today's message again. You'll find this and other teachings from Pastor David and The Open Word at theopenword.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss an edition of the program. Right now, let's turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick message from the heart. Hello, friend. I'm so glad you joined in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. He's the reason I teach every week at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I want as many people as possible to know and believe the message of the gospel. If you'd like to know more about what Jesus' life and death means to you, I'd encourage you to call us. We have some great people here who would love to pray with you and answer your questions. Our number is 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. Know that I'm praying for you too, and I value you greatly as a listener and brother or sister in Christ. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to invite you to come see us in person as well at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. We have services every Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday, and you'll be able to find more information at theopenword.com. Just click the church link at the bottom of the page. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Join us next time to continue our journey through the Bible, right here on The Open Word. Make us more.